What games are going to be the hardest ones and the easiest ones for Michigan football in 2023? We get to it on this episode of Locked On Wolverines. You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Wednesday. We are back and doing it. Locked on Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I'm your man on the ground as a whole publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. Uh, we are going to get guest heavy starting the next couple weeks, really. Uh, had we're, We were going to have Mike Golick on next week. Not going to happen now until two weeks from now, right before Big Ten Media Days. We're going to do a little thing with Autograph, Tom Brady's company. Lots of exciting things to do. Uh, But for now, we are going to get into, I did a list on Wolverine's Wire of ranking each each game in terms of difficulty. Uh, And I, I noted, you know, how many returning starters, essentially, and uh, the game being home or away, all that kind of stuff. Some of it's a little controversial. It's my opinion. Remember, it's my opinion. I could be wrong. My opinion has often been wrong when it comes to these things. But guess what? That's the nature of all of this. That's something that I told Jake Butt the other day. He was like, oh, I'm worried about coming up with a list of something and, you know, it not being right. I'm like, listen, they're never, you're not going to be right. That's just what it is. Um, you know, there, there's a reason why you look at 2021. Rutgers ended up being a much more difficult game for Michigan, ultimately, than Ohio State. No one would have ranked Rutgers as being a more difficult game than Ohio State that season. That's how it goes sometimes. So anyway, uh, so let's get into it. We're going to spend the whole episode doing this. We'll, uh, we'll get to the first four games, and then we'll get to the next four, and then the last four. Uh, so the first four, not going to be terribly exciting. Uh, I have the last ranked game being the Rebels of UNLV. Michigan last played them in 2015. Uh, week three, and uh, it uh, did not go well for the Rebels, but it wasn't like an overwhelming win, I don't believe, for Michigan, not compared to BYU, Northwestern, Maryland, um, the, the next couple weeks. But uh, UNLV has a fair amount of returning production. 69% of its team is returning, uh, but they are coming off of a 5-7 and seven season. Now, you can improve year over year, uh, but this is a Mountain West team that is on – it's not even a good one, right? Mountain West is not exactly a powerhouse conference. Uh, we we saw you know a couple of those teams over the course of the last uh, last few years, uh, particularly obviously Colorado State uh, last year. Uh, but between like Colorado State and uh, Utah State was actually probably one of the better ones. Uh, yeah, what was the what was the one that he, that I'm thinking of that Jane Orville came from? Uh, I don't remember. Maybe it was Utah State. I don't think it was, though. Uh, there, it just has not been a very good conference. Uh, I don't expect this to be uh, anything close. This is week two. It's a 3.30 game. Michigan will have honed itself a bit coming off of week one. And uh, while there will be more tape out for uh, UNLV, it's just not a program that is built to compete with any team of note. So that is... The number 12 selection, the easiest game of the, of the season. Uh, number 11, it comes week three. The next week, Bowling Green 
coached by uh, Scott Leffler, former Michigan man. Well, he's still a Michigan man, just at somewhere else. Uh, Soup Campbell is on the staff there. Uh, it's uh, they they've got uh, they've got a guy that's I didn't even write this in the thing. They've got a, a a guy who knows what it's like to face against Michigan. They they got the uh, form the Indiana quarterback Connor Bazelak, who was previously at Missouri. He's now the quarterback there. Uh, that doesn't really mean anything. You look at what Rocky Lombardi did after leaving Michigan State and going in playing against Michigan uh, a couple years ago. It didn't really go well for him, so I don't think it's necessarily much of anything. They were 6-7 and seven last year. They have 59% of their production returning. Um, it, it's just, it's you know, they, had, they were able to get to that bowl game. They lost it. Uh, it's just not a very good Mac program. It's a middling Mac program. I don't expect there to be any trouble. This is one of those games that uh, I'd look at being kind of like a 52 to 14 type thing where Michigan just dominates, puts in the second and third string. You know, maybe they get a couple scores or whatever to make it look a little bit less like the blowout that it already is obviously going to be. Um, number 10, it rounds out our non-conference. I would actually have this one in the middle if it wasn't, uh, wasn't for the amount of returning production being so low. That's East Carolina. They were eight and five last year. They're a team that in the last couple years, uh, kind of like coastal Carolina has been every now and again, like where they start to kind of teeter with that UCF Type, you know, ooh, maybe they can do something. And, you know, they're playing some teams close. It always seems like it's Louisville. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, obviously there's some mystery because you go into uh, to week one, it's the season opener. Uh, it, it just, it, it, anything can happen, certainly. This was a very good team last year. Um, let me see if I can pull up real fast the, uh, so that the teams they beat. Because they, they won, they did, in fact, win. Uh, a lot of games, right? So East Carolina, uh, they lost the season opener to NC State. Then they beat Old Dominion, Campbell. They lost to Navy. They beat South USF at USF. They lost to Tulane, ended up being ranked number nine. Uh, you know, some of these are close. NC State was, they lost by one point. Tulane was by... Uh, by uh, 15 points, so it wasn't like a crazy thing. They beat BYU at BYU. They lost by three points at Cincinnati. They beat UCF, actually. Um, they uh, lost to Temple. That was the, the biggest route they had all year. Uh, they, uh, they th th sorry, Houston, I meant. They lost to Houston. They beat Temple, and then they uh, beat Coastal Carolina. So this is a, this is a team that, that got, uh, got some good wins under their belt. Um, Memphis as well. They beat Memphis. Got some good wins under their belt. Uh, I don't expect them to come anywhere close to, to Michigan. They The last time they faced like a highly ranked team came the year before. They lost to Cincinnati in the bowl game. Uh, sorry, not in the bowl game. That, that was in the um, it, it was regular season. Uh, 35 to 13. So, I mean, they that's pretty admirable going up against a college football playoff team. Uh, 2019... Uh, they weren't good. 2020, they weren't good. So it's it's been a little while here uh, that a couple years of where they've been decent. They're they're one that could certainly give some challenges, but I don't expect them to really honestly do that. Um, all right. So finishing us out, the worst Big Ten team, number nine here that Michigan will face. I have is Indiana. 
Uh, Indiana just feels rudderless at this point. Um, just feels like they have a lot of holes. Uh, breaking in a, a new quarterback again. They do bring in Christian Turner. Feels like their secondary is taking a big step backwards. Uh, they had s- some issues trying to figure out who they are. Uh, last year started out pass heavy and then became better as they became run heavy. Certainly they gave Michigan some fits for a little while. Uh, they returned 69% of their production, but they play in Ann Arbor. I, I just don't see this as being the same kind of Indiana team that we used to see that would uh, go toe to toe with like 2016, 17 uh, or 18 teams. Right. I think this is more of 2019, 2021, 2022 type. I think that's going to be Michigan's easiest big 10 team that they go up against. All right, let's continue on with the next four here momentarily. We'll get to all of the the controversy comes later, so we will get to that in just a moment. If you want to get into the comfort kingdom, then I have got just the thing for you. Bird Dogs is revolutionizing comfort when it comes to your pants and shorts, whether you're looking for something dressy for the gym, for going out to the lake this summer, or anything in between, Bird Dogs has got you covered. You'll look and you'll feel better while you're wearing bird dogs, and they allow you the versatility of going uh, from the beach or to the golf course right to dinner or to your next meeting. The great thing about bird dog shorts in particular is they do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. I mean, nothing is better than that. So go to birddogs.com slash college. Enter promo code LockedOnCollege for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash college, or use the promo code LockedOnCollege for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. All right, we have plenty more coming up here. Uh, going into, again, the controversy comes a bit later. I don't feel like these next ones are particularly controversial. Maybe there's a little bit of controversy. Maybe a little bit. And now that I look at it, I would flip some from what I had. Uh, my number eight most difficult game of the season. I would stay where where it is, and that's Rutgers in week four. That's the first Big Ten game. Listen, Michigan trounced Rutgers last year granted it was you know that Rutgers had a halftime lead but they trounced them uh in Piscataway after Rutgers had already kind of been beaten down but some of these some of these other games uh whether it's uh I would say particularly 2021 Rutgers played Michigan tough because it didn't really know what it was like to be a big loser yet, right? Like, they they weren't demoralized yet. So, Michigan could find itself. That's why I placed Rutgers ahead of Indiana because I feel like by the time that Michigan sees Indiana in week nine, I believe, no, week seven, um, I, I feel like Rutgers is going to have a lot more confidence like it did in 2021. Uh, they returned 73% of its production. Uh, went four and eight last year, just like Indiana did. So I, uh, I think that that could certainly be a game. I don't think it's going to be anywhere close to what you saw in 2021. Uh, but I think it could be one of those ones where it, it ends up being kind of like the 2017 Rutgers game, right? There, Rutgers at times has played Michigan tough, even in, in the Chris Ash era that that game was. Uh, Greg Schiano has 
done a good job, obviously, against Michigan last year, notwithstanding, but the two years, aside from a half, uh, the two years before that, obviously, triple overtime. I was there. I was one of the few that was there. It was brutal. It was late. It was it, it had all the feelings of a, of a potential upset. And it was kind of like, well, here we go. You're going to leave, leave New Jersey. Rutgers uh, getting its second win against Michigan didn't happen that way. Um, I, I obviously do not think that Rutgers will come anywhere close to winning, but I think it could, they could make it interesting for like a half. Hopefully it's the first half and not the second like it was in 2021. This is one that I would probably put a little bit higher now. And I, they have, I even noted here in, my, in the column that I, I do think that they can outperform their ranking pretty heavily. And that's uh, my number seven team is Purdue in week 10. Homecoming, I believe, um, that year, November, it's like November 1st or something like that. Um, well, no, it's not November 1st, but it's, it's, it's back there, right? It's, it's the fourth to last game of the season. Um, I, I, even though they went eight and six returned 65% of their production, uh, they do have Hudson card as a quarterback. Now, uh, got a good offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell, I believe, uh, Ryan Walters takes over in his first head coaching job, uh, after being the defensive coordinator from Illinois, but you re- you replace Aiden O'Connell, you replace, um, I, I can't remember which one it was, uh, on offense. There was another guy that uh, I, I think mockaby has gone as well. Um, these are things that I forget very easily, unfortunately. Um, I, I, I could look it up, know it, write it, and forget it that quickly. Um, I, I just think uh, that it's going to be a middling year for Purdue. I don't anticipate that they will be challenging the Big Ten West. Could be very wrong there. Uh, but uh, I, I have them as the number seven team uh, that in difficulty that Michigan's going up against. It is at home for Michigan. Hudson card is, was decent for Texas, but you can't look at it and be like, man, he was great. <laughs> you know, gave him a fighting shot against Alabama after Quinn Ewers went down, but it, fighting shot and leading the team, taking over the team, doing that kind of stuff. I mean, we'll see, right? I, I, I can't imagine that anyone thought that Joe Burrow was going to be incredible with LSU, right? No one really did. Sometimes you just need that second shot and uh, a, a situation that's just going to work out for you. Number six, I have at Michigan State. So right in, in the top half of the middle as far as difficulty. Listen, it's a rivalry game. We know that anything can happen in that game. It has tended to be that the better Michigan team tends to beat Michigan State. Uh, so even if Michigan State did somehow rebound, if their transfer portal additions hit, if some of their younger guys grow up, if uh, Noah Kim or Kattenhauser end up being really good uh, at, at being an upgrade over Peyton Thorne, if their wide receivers end up being better than uh, the Jaden Reed and Keon Coleman combo, uh, I mean, a lot would have to go right for Michigan State. Unfortunately, we've seen a lot go right for Michigan State at times. Um, Michigan has to take them seriously. I can't imagine they won't after what happened last year at the big house. As much as, as Spartan fans want to sit there and say, oh, they're going to, you know, Michigan State's going to remember. Trust me, Michigan's going to remember a lot more. Spartan fans are under the misguided uh, belief that, Michigan started the whole thing. Michigan was the aggressor instead of it being what it actually was. So, therefore, 
<laughs> Michigan people are going to remember very much uh, that their hospitality was not returned in kind. Michigan State was five and seven last year and returned 68% of his production. Again, these numbers come from ESPN in February. So some of these things have changed, right? They're, they lost two of their biggest playmakers. Michigan State probably would have been number four for me if Keon Coleman and Peyton Thorne had returned. That's not the case. They do have that five-star Tomise. Uh, I don't know how to say his last name for the Texas A&M five-star defensive end that comes in. He's a Hadn't didn't really do anything with the Aggies, I don't believe. Uh, I do want to correct myself on that because I I don't have someone coming in and 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 sharing all of my errors every episode, probably because it would be a whole other episode. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I make a lot of them. Uh, Adelaide, uh, uh, he had four tackles last year, so it wasn't, and he appeared in seven games for Texas A and M. Uh, so it wasn't like he did a heck of a lot, uh, per se. And this was his, uh, this was his freshman year. So he appeared in two, two games, looked at the wrong person, looked at smoke buoy. So, um, we'll see. That's all I got there. We'll see. Um, all right. Finishing us out in this segment, then we'll move on to the top four. I've got Minnesota week six. Uh, yes, that's right. I have uh, some others ahead of Minnesota here. Uh, really, two others that you maybe wouldn't expect. Um, Minnesota lost, obviously, a lot. And it is a road game for Michigan. Michigan hasn't played uh, at TCF Bank Stadium with fans in the stands since 2015. I was there in 2020. I, obviously, hard to tell what that venue is like with fans. Um I'm not looking forward to going back to Minnesota because of the almost having gotten shot incident that I had. Obviously, I'm not going to go back to bad neighborhoods like I did last time. But uh, losing Tanner Morgan, losing Mo Ibrahim, losing just a bunch of guys. That said, I mean, uh, P.J. Fleck has really done a great job in, in Minneapolis. He really, really has. They were 9-4 last year. Uh, had the most wins of any Big Ten West team. Uh, but they still weren't first, right? And, and obviously that went to Purdue. So it'll be interesting to see what they are. I don't know that Ethan Kalik Manis is the answer, but I don't know, maybe they figure some things out. All right, we're going to continue with the top four here in just one moment. Ranking teams in order of games in order of difficulty this year. We get to our top four, my number four, and I was going to mention this more in in the last segment, but let's talk about Nebraska, who I have at number four. I would have had Minnesota above them, but with the losses that Minnesota has, the unknown that Matt Rule is, I know how daunting Memorial Stadium can be, having been there in 2021. They got Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech. He's very good. I remember watching him against Clemson last year um it's that's going to be the first game in week five really i think truly circled for matt rule to be like here's our barometer and i don't think that they'll be able to go toe-to-toe against michigan from a talent perspective but i don't think that they really could do that in 2021 either and they still almost won that game um 
questionable officiating and all of that, but that's the type of thing that happens. Um, so I, I do, I, I am interested to see how Michigan handles this first road game of the season. Uh, in previous years, that used to be a death knell for the Wolverines. It hasn't been in the last couple of years. I don't expect it to be an issue for Michigan. But I still think that despite them being a 4-8 and eight team last year, that that is going to be a challenge. It's going to be more of a mental challenge than it is going to be anything uh, because I think that Matt Rule is really going to turn things around quickly in Lincoln. And um, I think that they have some good pieces I think there could be some interesting things from a schematic perspective. Again, if Michigan is everything we think it is, it's not going to matter. Number three, Maryland at Maryland week 12. This is the biggest trap game of the season by far. If you can even call it that Maryland, we have teetered with the idea of Maryland being a challenger for the big 10 East for some time. Uh, They went eight and five last year, returned 64%. Uh, the bad news for Maryland is a lot of their losses come. Uh, they lo- lose that star tight end who transferred. Uh, it was a CJ Dupre, I believe. I do want to. I do want to double check this because <laughs> I'm. I'm always. Uh, yeah, see, I actually got that one right. It's funny. I can't. I can't remember the name of Elias Rudolph. The last podcast episode. I can remember the name of the Maryland tight end who transferred to Alabama, uh, but they lose some linemen. That was, I mean, they had a senior laden line on both sides of the ball. I think that really helped. Uh, you got to remember here too, it's Mike Loxley reteaming with Josh Gaddis. As far as the offense is concerned, Josh Gaddis is obviously uh, with the, the petulant exit from Michigan is going to want nothing more than to uh, destroy it. He knows kind of what the defense is meant to do. Having, coached one year uh with Mike McDonald obviously Jesse Minter and Mike McDonald are two different people different personnel different things of that nature um but this one is between Penn State and Ohio State we saw Ohio State really struggle almost lose the game to at Maryland in 2022 the week before Michigan uh, but in 2021, Michigan went and handled business. I had the same stretch at Penn State, at Maryland, post-Ohio State. Michigan emerged 3-0. and um, So the onus is on Michigan to be able to do that. Talia Tagovailoa, obviously being the quarterback, uh, he's got a lot of upside, but he hasn't necessarily shredded Michigan per se either. He did, some, he did pretty well last year, but we'll see how it goes this year. Different years, different thing. Here's where we really get into some controversy. My number two, and I got some people that are very angry with me on Twitter. I'm sure there will be very people very angry with me on uh, that are listening to this here. I put Ohio State as the number two most difficult game on the schedule. I was very close, and I believe that my initial draft had them at number one because it's like, well, it's Ohio State. But then I started sitting there and thinking about it. Now, they play... They play games for a reason. I say it almost every episode. There's a reason why uh, you don't just sit there and say, well, Michigan beat them, you know, 42 to 27 and then 45 to to 23. And, you know, just add, you know, subtract three and and add three and say uh, 48 to 20. There's a reason why we don't do that. Um, They play games for a reason. But if Michigan was able to do to Ohio State what it did last year, Ohio State loses 
I would say it's big that not its biggest playmakers, Marvin Harrison and Omeka Egbuka, uh, they do exist still. They still have every running back coming back. Um, they uh, they lose a lot of linemen uh, on on both sides of the ball, but they like what they have. I just still don't think that many of them are going to be steps up. Now, Michigan has their full, full attention, but guess what? Ohio State has Michigan's full attention too. Michigan returns just about everybody. This game's in Ann Arbor. I said coming out of, even before the game last year, I said, if Michigan wins this one, they'll win the next one. It doesn't always work like that, but it's very clear that Michigan now has a mental edge on Ohio State. Ohio State had a mental edge on Michigan for a lot of that big streak. There's a reason why Michigan fell apart when it did, uh, even when it was like coming out there playing like gangbusters, firing on all cylinders, and then they'd fall apart. And you'd be like, what? So uh, I don't expect it to be easy, but by virtue of it being at home and there being a lot of unknowns, despite all of the talent, I think that that's the second hardest game. They have Michigan's full attention. Whereas my number one, Penn State, week 11, does not, is not going to get the same amount of attention as Ohio State gets. It's going to get attention, and that's really the first big test of the season coming in week 11. Penn State wants to prove that it, it deserves to be on the highest stage, right? It's, it's not going to continue to fly for James Franklin. I mean, he's had some ups and downs, but to, to be like, yeah, all right, yeah, we, we did it. We went 11-2. and two. Our only losses are Michigan and Ohio State. That's not going to work for them. So Penn State is certainly going to have Michigan on the mind probably more than anybody. It played Ohio State relatively close, and then it didn't really end up doing that against Michigan. Went into the game having like the best run defense in the country and then got shredded for 400 yards on the ground. Games in Happy Valley, always difficult there. Yes, Michigan has won multiple in the Jim Harbaugh era in University Park, State College, whatever you want to call it. None of those have been easy, right? They've all been relatively close. 2015, uh, this past one in uh, 2021. Trying to think. They lost in 2017. They lost in 2019. So they've won two. Both of those were slogs. Being on the road in Happy Valley, thankfully for Michigan, it's at noon. That makes it a heck of a lot easier than otherwise. It's going to be difficult. That's Drew Aller, unlike Kyle McCord, who is not an upgrade on C.J. Stroud, barring him coming out and just transcending what anyone believes of him, Drew Aller should be a big upgrade on Sean Clifford. They've got a dynamic duo that didn't really do anything against Michigan, but we saw Saquon not do anything against Michigan until 2017, and suddenly there he is very quickly. It's, it's going to be a challenge. That's my number one most difficult game for Michigan. Feel free to disagree. I don't mind. Just be nice about it. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us today. We are going to continue on throughout the rest of the week. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. Peace. Peace.